Hello out there in podcast land, and welcome to a brand new episode of Capital Ideas. This is where members of the Majority Democratic Caucus in the Washington State House of Representatives sit down at the Capitol to talk about ideas. Ideas like working together for one Washington. Ideas like putting people first. In other words, good ideas. Today we've got a few minutes with freshman representative Lisa Callan. Lisa lives in Issaquah and works for her friends and neighbors in Washington's 5th Legislative District. It's a good-sized portion of King County that includes Issaquah, Snoqualmie, Black Diamond, Carnation, North Bend, Maple Valley, and part of Renton. If you've ever hiked on Tiger Mountain or skied at Alpenthal, you've spent time in the 5th District. Lisa's a computer whiz and a former Boeing engineer, and before joining the legislature, she served on the Issaquah School Board. We talked on April 4, 2019, and here's what each of us said. Welcome to Capital Ideas, Representative Lisa Callan. I really appreciate your coming by today. Thank you, Dan. I really appreciate being here. You're a freshman. It's now week 12, I think, of the legislative session. But in any case, you've definitely been here for a little while now. You've seen much of what there is to see in a long session. And I'm just wondering, what is your first impression about your first legislative session? Well, certainly, it was, it's exciting to be here every day when you come in you realize the amount of energy and effort and brain power everybody's putting forward trying to really do what's right for every resident in Washington State. And getting to be a part of that is just, it's one of those things that I'm reminded every day and, and humbled by that opportunity to do. And, and as each day unfolds in the session, as, as we're here and you're seeing the process unfold, and you know that it's great to have an opportunity to be sure you're bringing all the stakeholders, all of the folks that I'm representing in the 5th Legislative District, making sure the voices are heard and making sure we're doing the best we can for each resident. I'm always interested in, in how a first-year legislator perceives what they're getting into versus what they've gotten into. Yeah. And I'm wondering, how does the reality match up with what your expectations might have been when you were thinking about it, when you were running for office, when you knew that you were coming? Sure, sure. Well, uh, I come from a school board background, so I had run for an election before, and I have served in a policy capacity before. And uh, certainly at a state level, it's um, magnified by a multitude. And one of the things that uh, I really do enjoy in policy work and kind of being, you know, you've heard the term policy wonk, I really do enjoy getting into that. For me, the everybody tells you it's going to be a fire hose, the, the pace is fast, and so you expect it. But then when you're living it, you're, you're like, oh, okay, this is what they really mean, right? And it's... Um, the number of bills that get moved and the depth of knowledge uh, that you have to pull on and rely on to really get a full grasp of each bill and what it's doing and how that inf you know impacts your district, how it impacts all the state residents, that in and of itself is it's uh, you end the day and you're like with a big sigh, right? Oh my gosh, did we get everything covered? Did I get everything? Do you know what's left for tomorrow and how do we catch up? You know, and all of that work. Um, so I think the pace in the schedule was to be expected, but it's you still can't be as prepared for it until you actually go there, and then you're figuring out how to manage your time and how to make it work. Do you think your background as an engineer helped prepare you for dealing with some of the minutia and the details of things that, that you need to get up to speed on quickly? 
Absolutely. I think when you're working in an engineering environment, and in my analytical thought process around the logic and how it works, it's always establishing the context, right? And establishing why things are the way they are, why things need to change, and what is the best way to actually affect that change to get the outcome you want. And then if you're looking at the outcome, how and what drives that outcome. So I mean, that that applies to policy and bills, right? I mean, why would we want to go make a, a law just for the sake of making a law? We need to understand what what isn't working, you know, what needs to change, why it needs to change, and what's all going to be impacted by that. And trying to make sure you're asking the right questions so you uncover all of that is what helps you perfect a bill and hopefully um, eliminate unintended consequences and actually create something that can be sustained over time. Some of the problems that you saw coming in and wanted to have an impact on involved several things. Transportation is a key issue in your district. Your school board experience kind of dovetailing with your professional experience gave you a real clear demonstration of the fact that girls and young women were being underrepresented in some of the most important kinds of education classes that we have now. And you listed early childhood education as one of your priorities. Mm. I know you've been working on bills that involve all of these things, and since this is a legislative podcast, let's talk about some of your bills. You have passed, I think, a disproportionately large number of bills for a freshman. I didn't realize that. I hadn't been keeping track of freshman bills and how many. It's just working on the policies that, you know, are um, well, you're doing okay. creating those opportunities. So I, I, that's great. I appreciate that. But I'm anxious to see how they end up, right, in the next couple of weeks. Let's talk about the problem with State Route 18. Highway 18 is one of the, the crucial areas for the 5th Legislative District, but also really for the state because it's one of the major transport routes to get um, goods and materials from the ports. It's a big trucking area. It moves people from the South King County, East King County area into major employment hubs. It's connected with I-90, so if you're going east or west, that's the route you're going to go if you're in that region. There's a whole section of the highway that has been made into two divided lanes, and there's a section that has not that is very dangerous. There's a high accident rate there. There's high fatality rate there. Uh, we've had the our project rolling to improve the congestion around the intersection between Highway 18 and I-90, and that work is ongoing and moving. but. To really take full advantage of that new intersection, how we're going to move traffic through there and make that safer, we really need to make sure that we're expanding the rest of the lanes on Highway 18, and we try to really make safer that one stretch of road that's only a two-lane road. And um, it's a high priority across our district for safety, for people commuting back and forth, but again, for the state as well. And so I was really excited that we were able to move forward in the transportation package out of the house, funding that starts the design process and um, the environmental impacts around widening the roads. And hopefully we can get that work moving so that it starts right when the, the intersection between I-90 and, and 18 gets complete. And that will really impact the, the whole efficiencies as well as the safeties of that roadway. Like so many things involving big projects, it's a slow process. It does involve planning, it involves permitting, it involves the construction, etc. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it's it's a good feeling to get it moving, isn't it? It is, and the timing is really important, right? It's really crucial because if you really want to take advantage of the dollars that are already being spent on the interchange, then the best way to do that is to try to keep that whole section just rolling and making sure it's really there. 
I am grateful for the Snoqualmie tribe. They also wanted to pitch in because they've had employees that have had fatalities on this roadway. And just the community partners, the cities, the towns, the county, everybody is engaged and connected in this. And so the energy and the synergy to make sure that we're really providing the best that we can do there as fast as we can do is where my eyes are going to stay. Let's jump over to equity in computer science education because sure. this is this is something that's been in the news for a few years. Uh, as you know, uh, not only is there an imbalance, but there's also been a lot of hostility. And you passed a pretty important bill that, that deals with this. Well, with my engineering background and certainly computer science background, you know, one of the first things that you always start with when you're trying to solve the problem is what does the data say? And the data at a national level uh, shows that women and that are in computer science fields is trending down. So when it very first computer science became an industry and a field in engineering and we started to come up with that, uh, there was a, a slight rise in women being employed in that field, and now it's trending back down, and we're actually becoming less and less of the percentage of the, the workforce. And so when you start to look at how is that um, responding to Washington State, and how are we preparing the workforce, and how are we creating opportunities for people to come into the computer science fields and these great high-paying tech jobs for women, for any group, then you have to start with what does the data show and what we're doing there. And it starts with our school systems, and we need the data to really spell out what computer science courses are being offered, who's taking those, and how we could actually promote and encourage the computer science participation by our students and started that pipeline. So that's what this bill does. So I'm really excited about that because we'll start collecting the data and then we can find out where the deserts are and we can find out how we can actually start to serve our K-12 systems better and generating the interest and making sure there's access and opportunity. And when you say high-paying field, I just read that the average pay in this field is about $170,000 a year, which is not bad. Not bad. Not bad at all. Let's talk about some other kids right now, and that's homeless kids. One of the bills that you sponsored, House Bill 1657, and I apologize to the listeners for throwing out bill numbers, has passed and will make a difference. Tell me what difference it will make. Sure. There's over 13,000 youth between the ages of 12 and 18 that are homeless in our state by themselves. They're unaccompanied homeless youth. There's just so much work that we need to do to help these kids uh, stay out of danger and break the cycle of poverty and the homelessness that they're in. And the best way that we can do that is to provide resources to actually get to these kids and make that happen. So this bill really helps the Office of um, Homeless Youth Prevention and Protection provide more outreach services and expands the outreach services to the age of 21 to make sure that anybody that they're coming in contact with between the ages of 12 and 21, they can provide information about where to go get help and how to get that help. Um, it clarifies some, uh, some language around hope centers, which are actually places where homeless youth can go and um, stay to be safe and uh, clarifies the number of beds that can be offered in these facilities. And it, uh, really another great element to this is it provides youth voice to the Homeless Youth Advisory Council in Boyd. Right now, um, we don't have a youth voice there, and these are the, the kids that are being served, so we need to make sure that 
whatever's happening to these youth and the front line and what they're experiencing is really being heard and being told by those that are making the decisions and where the money goes and, and how to provide those services. So those are all really great elements. They seem like small changes, but if you're one of those kids that's out there on the street and you're trying to make these decisions every day of how to stay safe, it's going to make a big difference. It's going to it's going to affect their lives and their chance to really find the help they need when they need it. Good luck. Thank you. You've also been working on class size, which is something that affects kids and eventually the adults that they become. I'm going to mention another bill number here, which is yeah. 2108. Uh-huh. And tell me about how that bill is faring. Right now, I think it's over in the Senate Ways and Means, so we're hoping it'll get included in, in the Senate budget. It is included in the House budget at the moment. So what that does is the goal, it's in the basic education definition, is to try to make sure that we have um, no more than 17 kids to every one teacher in our kindergarten, first, second, and third grades. A lot of school districts across the state, everybody is trying to get to that ratio and not have more students than that in their classroom. But there's a lot of barriers to making that happen. So this year, the state was going to fund school districts only to those that were actually at the 17 to 1 ratio. So if you had a higher ratio, if you had 25 kids in that classroom instead of 17 because you just didn't have enough buildings, you would only get funded number of teachers that you actually had in the building as opposed to the number of kids that you had in that ratio. So what my bill does is ask for an extension to make sure that school districts are still being funded at a 17 to 1 ratio for that kindergarten, first, second, third grade. Um, And that is to allow school districts to hire the teachers in or to hire adults and staffing and educational professionals into these buildings to help create a ratio that is still 17 to 1 and helps with that while school districts are working to build more schools, create more classrooms, and try to help facilitate that. There's a lot that goes into building schools and getting more classrooms, and a lot of that is related to capital funding that is certainly out of control of the students in those first grade, second grade, you know, third grade kindergarten classrooms, and so we want to make sure that they're having their best opportunity to succeed regardless of how all the rest of the adults in the state are working to get those buildings built. There's a teacher shortage, and so when districts have the ability to hire a teacher and bring them in, bring student teachers and want to hold on to those student teachers and bring them into their district because they've already brought them in through a student teaching process, they need those funds in place so that when those they can hire them, and then when those classrooms are there, those teachers are already ready to roll with those students and move right in. So there's just so many benefits to it. It seems like a very common sense yeah. bill. Yeah, the state was right to make that 17 to 1 ratio, and now we just got to figure out how to make sure that every district can, can keep that and make it happen. I don't want to cut you off, and if there's anything else you'd like to add, I'd love to hear it, but I know that floor session for today starts very soon, and I do have to cut you loose here. Is there anything else you'd like to add that I just totally spaced out yeah. on? Well, I know I appreciate the opportunity to talk. I certainly am very humbled and so fortunate to be able to represent the 5th Legislative District, which is just a fabulous district that is a tremendous mix between rural and urban and the landscape. If you haven't been out to the 5th, you need to go out and explore it. You know, it's the gateway to the Cascades and and all kinds of hiking and great outdoors as well as wonderful cities to explore in. So thank you for letting me share a little bit about my fifth and my homeland as well. And thank you for inviting me in to chat with you today. It's been a real pleasure, Representative Lisa Callan. Thank you, Lisa, for coming by. And I really enjoyed talking with you. Thanks for having me, Dan. 
I really did enjoy talking with Lisa Callan, and if you liked what you heard, I hope you'll subscribe to Capital Ideas on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you go when you're looking for a podcast that's worth your time. This is your state government, and what happens here matters. The more you know about how it works, the better it can work for you and for everyone. I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats, putting people first since 1889. Thank you for listening.